Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Hello everyone. So I'm here to talk to you about sustainability, which Jordan referred to as a Debbie Downer two presentations ago. But I assure you today is gonna to be nice and easy. So sustainability, everyone's talking about it, right? It's gone from this nice to do, it's a good thing for the environment, it's a good thing to do, to kind of a must to have, to we're not far away from it becoming too late. So you're gonna be, if you're not starting this very soon, it's gonna be shortly become too late. So what I've tried to do is it's quite an overall drowning topic sometimes. So I've just tried to make it super easy. So we're going to start off by just defining some very basics of sustainability. So sustainability is actually best defined with three pillars. So you have the economic, which is nice and easy. So every business in the world at the moment has to have an economic pillar, which is basically mean profitability. Profit is not a dirty word and should always go in tandem with environmental and social. So the next one is social. So we need people to have a business. Some business owners forget that, but it's really important that you have that social pillar. And then of course, the one which I'm gonna be talking, focusing on today, which is environmental. So this is one often is used interchangeably with sustainable, but actually you need you know, at least all three of these to have a sustainable business. But the environmental is basically how are we, the decisions we're making as a business and how they are impacting the environment. So the basics, it's extremely small writing, but uh, what is a carbon footprint? So a carbon footprint is the total amount of greenhouse gases that your business both emits and buys in. So every time that you make a purchase as a business, whether that's software subscription, whether that's your malted barley, your yeast, has also an associated emissions factor that you are purchasing in as well. So what is carbon offsetting? So once you've defined your carbon footprint, you have now got this entire, this is how many it shall emit in tons, you can then decide to offset that. So the most common term is like basically planting trees. That's the one we've seen used in questionable circumstances sometimes in our industry. But the carbon offsetting is basically, we're gonna offset it by doing something that's not within our business remit. And then I made this small little chart table here, which is what is carbon neutrality versus net zero? So just because sometimes this gets confusing, carbon neutrality is a basically, normally all your greenhouse gases, and then as this is what I said, you're trying to offset that. So that's carbon neutrality. What people are referring to now, and you'll see it all over the news, everything is net zero. So what net zero means is you're 
calculating all your brewery's emissions, and then you're actually trying to reduce them, and then maybe offset the last bit if you can't do that. But the focus on intensity is on reducing, not just offsetting. So next one, how do you measure carbon emissions? I think this is really interesting because often carbon dioxide is used as the metric for is, uh, sustainability. So you know the carbon dioxide we're releasing, but it's only very partially true. What the metric is, is actually kilograms of CO2e or equivalent. Now, it sounds maybe slightly complicated, it's actually super simple. We have seven greenhouse gases. So these are gases that basically contribute to global warming, and each of them have a different level of global warming potential. So have a look at the charts up. You have to see carbon dioxide. That's a global warming potential of one. So one kilo of carbon dioxide that's emitted into the atmosphere has a global warming potential of one. We then have methane, and we carry on going through the list. And now you can start to see that some of these have much more contributing factors to the overall green global warming potential than just carbon dioxide. But when we are referring to sustainability and we're measuring sustainability, all of these uh, emissions are um, basically condensed into one metric, which is kilograms of CO2 equivalent. So simply, one kilogram of meth methane is 30 kilograms of CO2 equivalent. Nice and easy, but it's, that's the standard across the world. So it's really important you understand the definition. So when we're going through this, and you'll see the breakdown of all of them. But I found quite interesting, so you can see quite substantial difference between carbon dioxide, although carbon emissions and carbon dioxide is often demonized. It's actually, if you look at some of these, some of them are really significantly uh, worse. A really good example is perfluorocarbons down here, the third from the bottom. That used to be in the, up until the early 2000s in every single aerosol can in the world. So you start to think how much aerosol was sprayed every day in the world for how many years at that global warming potential. You can see why we start to get ourselves into this mess. So now we're just going to go into a little bit of how well do we know our current brewery's carbon emissions. So this is just off a completely standard brewery's carbon footprint. So imagine just a bog standard brewery in, in the country. So we have six categories. First three, we have ingredients. So all the ingredients that you purchase in, as I mentioned earlier, have an associated emission, so malted barley, chemicals, hops, everything. Then we move into company facilities. So that's all of the emissions that your company actually produces. So all the gas that you burn, the electricity you use, the water you use, all associated emissions. Packaging materials, nice and easy. Transport, so how your beer gets from the door that you think to the consumer, whether that's going abroad, whether that's going to a cons uh, wholesaler and then to somewhere, that's all incorporated in this category. Use of sold products, so once it gets there, the associated emissions with refrigeration, with uh, the gas that you're using to push out the kegs, and then end of life. So once it's done, what happens to it? So what we're going to do is put your hand up if you think which one you think is uh, the biggest emitter or the biggest contrib contribution to your brewery's carbon footprint. Okay, so who thinks it's ingredients? Perfect. Who thinks it's company facilities? Who thinks it's packaging materials? Who thinks it's transport? Uh, who thinks it's use of sold products? And who picks end of life? And judging by the amount of hands, there's a few people who don't know. So you've actually had two chances to get it right. It's actually ingredients and packaging materials contribute the largest to your brewery's total emissions. What's really interesting, and again, this is a completely standard brewery, so look at your ingredients. Actually, 15% of your total emissions, so 50% of that number, comes from malted barley alone. You've then got hops, 
chemicals are also a really big contributor to your overall carbon footprint. And then we move to packaging. Now, this is mainly if you're producing glass. So if you are a, putting a lot of beer into glass, this number's probably higher or around there. If you're not using glass at all, maybe you're just using kegs and casks, that number will get slightly smaller. Company facilities, actually transport, about the same, and then use to sell products and end of life. But what I wanted to focus on was a couple of ingredients. So malted barley and hops, because I find it quite interesting how I misunderstood and the narratives I had around uh, these were actually challenged. So this is the amount of CO2e, as we discussed earlier, that a kilogram of malted barley produces. So I had a narrative before, I went around a maltsters and I was like, oh my God, this is, a, this is a very energy intensive process. This must be where all the emissions are coming from. But actually, if you look, the agricultural aspect of producing a kilo of malted barley is way more, well, it's 87% of the total, and actually processing is only 11, and that transport is only two. The transport is almost irrelevant in the production and the malted barley that you're doing. And the reason for that is we have 34% is energy that's used for the fertilizers, power farm machinery. There's also farming on drained wetlands, which is actually quite interesting. So basically, your soil is a huge trap and a holder of carbon. And every time you're tilling or you're producing them, breaking that up, that's releasing carbon into the atmosphere. So, and then you're planting and repeating that process. So all this carbon that's stored by the plants is then released back into the atmosphere. So that's actually quite significant. And then lamps and urea is just for soil conditioning. Um, and then nitrous oxide. So if you remember 273 times the global warming potential of a kilo of carbon dioxide, is actually the bacteria from the soil digesting those fertilizers that we, we need for our crops. And then 4% on farm wetland. So yeah, what I was always fascinated about was this narrative here. So we move this over to hops, and what you'll see is the emissions of hops are actually way greater than that of malted barley. So four kilos for a kilo of hops. Now, of course, because uh, breweries generally use less hops than malt, although there are definitely some fine examples of breweries using about the same, then you, this is why the total emissions is lower. But what we go into again is that in this one, the drying of the hops and the processing is slightly more significant. Uh, farming on drained wetlands, the lives on urea, it's the same principle, but you'll see actually contributing quite a lot more. But again, I had a lot of narratives that when I started in sustainability in brewing, I had quite a lot of narratives. And yeah, I'm going to go to. Yeah, so one of them was, does transport really matter? So I went to, for my website, Brew Resource website, I was writing an article. And on that article, I was deciding that basically to support UK hop industry and trying to get people to switch from bittering hops imported from the States or Germany and used locally. And, you know, I sat down and started writing, going through the numbers, and I actually found it quite interesting. So I don't know what you can see on here from that distance, but you'll actually see that for, then this is quite general data, which I'll come to in a second, but the UK hops have a total of 4.19 kilos and the imported US hops have actually less kilos of CO2e. So in a very generalized way, this is generalized data from UK hop farms and generalized data from Yakima, not on the specific farm level, but it's actually better for the environment to import the hops. And that's quite a challenging narrative. And there'll be quite a lot of people thinking, that's really interesting. But if you look how the transport here is actually only basically ups it by 10% import, and that's a refrigerated container or across. 
because the emissions associated with uh, yields, which is very important, uh, are much greater in the US. They have much better technology in the US and their farming practices are slightly more modern. So that means that actually they're using way less um, or emitting way less emissions to produce their, uh, produce their hops. So how can you reduce your emissions? One of the most important things is you can quite easily, and it's really easy, you can basically pick suppliers who are lowering their emissions. Now, there are a bunch of our brewing suppliers, some are here today, who are doing really excellent examples of reduce, reporting, measuring, and reducing their emissions. So pick them, and what will happen is that your emissions, your associate emissions will go down, and your brewery will become more environmentally friendly from just picking new suppliers. It can be that simple. But the most important thing is that we challenge our suppliers. So I know these suppliers. I know the ones who are doing the best and the ones who maybe are slightly underperforming, but there's no point in me standing here and telling you them, because what I want us to do is challenge our suppliers ask them the question, what are you doing to reduce your emissions and how are you reporting it? And that will start the internal conversation in these, in these companies and they will begin to actually really start to challenge each other and challenge internally. And then we basically get our emissions lower for free. And this is a really good thing to do. So challenge your suppliers, send those emails when you're talking to your reps and what they will do is they'll go inside internally and be like, we're being asked a lot of, for a lot of this data. We need to start getting it out there. And this is how we can make a difference as a group of people without having to do really basically anything. The next thing, you can choose your agricultural process. So I was, as you saw earlier, 87% big whack is of that agricultural process. Pick one that is you know, less, producing less emissions. Organic, so you're using a lot less fertilizers. So that number is coming down. The energy consumption is coming down. It's okay, it's slightly more expensive, but we can come to how we can offset that. Then there's this kind of newish, it's been around for a long time, but now it's been talked about a long, for a long time, which is regenerative farming. So what this means is that instead of the traditional farming methods, they're actually allowing, using cover crops, they're doing crop diversity, they're actually allowing the storing of carbon back into the soil and no longer releasing it. So that 87% of emissions actually now turns into a negative. So you're actually now storing more carbon than you were releasing, which is outstanding. It's a really cool thing. And I would refer to earlier about the Gypsy Hill reusing their hops. That beer was carbon negative. And the reason, one of the reasons it was carbon negative is because they used entirely regenerative malt. So they didn't offset anything. They just had to use regenerative barley, malted at Warminster, and their whole emissions are going down. They're talking about trying to make their entire brewery net zero by just switching their malt. That's how powerful this can be. So again, there's not loads of availability of that now, but the only way we're going to get it is by increasing the demand. So we ask our suppliers for regenerative barley, regenerative hops. We are much more likely to get them ourselves. So here's a novel idea. Use less. How many of us are complaining about the prices of CO2, complaining about the price increases of maybe hops or malted barley? How, much, how many of us are actually truly trying to reduce that, measuring and reducing that number? So just reduce your consumption. Use less. Measure your brew house efficiency. Measure your intensity on CO2 each month. And figure out if you're overusing one month and why that was and how you can help yourself in the future. It's a really great way of reducing your emissions is by just using less. It sounds crazy, but it's actually really simple. And then this is the question. Should you buy local? Now, 
I am a firm believer in buying local on many levels, but you also have to understand what you are buying. So buying local is not just the easy way. You have to understand what you're buying. And my example earlier of the hops is a really, really good example of that. Of basically, you need to do sometimes a little bit of research. Maybe it's a simple Google or ask AI or even ask me or someone at Zavero. You can just ask someone, what is the difference between this? And we can answer that and you can basically decide which supplier to use. So my key takeaways from sustainability has been challenge your narratives. So as I said earlier, I had, I've had quite a lot of narratives, buying local, I thought the processing was higher on multi-barley. This was changing the way that I was making decisions. So challenge your narratives. Go and find these thousands of research papers out there. There's loads of bits of articles, both on my website and the Zavira website, that will just basically answer some of these questions or at least getting you asking them. So challenge your narratives. The next one is no one is perfect. One of the gripes, I think it's really funny actually, in human nature, we're quite often challenging to people and we hold them to these, to these perfect standards that are just completely unattainable. And it's really important when you're challenging yourselves, other people and other companies that perfection is not something we're after. We're not looking for one brewery, we're not looking for one person to do this perfectly. We're looking for millions of people to do this imperfectly. So please, don't hold anyone to a perfect standard because it's just not attainable. But on the other side, don't greenwash. So greenwashing is really, it's actually really simple. Don't make claims that you haven't, that are basically for your own personal or business growth that aren't backed up by actual proven workings. So a good example is, I listened to this talk from this guy, Chris, I reckon we can achieve net zero in five years time. Let's go publish it, you know, ring the press. That's, that's greenwashing because you're basically using that challenge for the people who'd pick in sustainable brands and you haven't actually done anything yet or put anything in place to do so. So greenwashing isn't anything to be afraid of. It's the same thing, anything. Just make sure everything you say, you can back up. It's actually quite simple. So I'm a huge believer in the economic, environmental, and of course social must go hand in hand. So just like a company shouldn't be running the environment into the ground to lengthen their economic gain, you also shouldn't be running your company in the ground to make the environment better. And you also shouldn't be running the, the company in the ground to basically get the social aspect up. It all should work in one big tandem. And that's really important. So as I said, profit is not a dirty word in this. So whenever you're deciding your next sustainability project or what you want to do, the best question you should ask, what's my ROI? What should, what's my return? And can I make, you know, am I going to make money off this in a while? Because then that actively will help you become more sustainable as a company. We go back to challenge your suppliers. I'm really a firm believer in this. Ask them as many questions as you can. It's cheap, it's easy, it's free, it takes no time. And what we can do in over one, two, three years time is have suppliers who are supplying us with environmentally and sustainable products nice and easy, but it's not gonna come from us deciding ourselves, we must challenge our suppliers. And then another really important one, that's easy, slightly harder is to challenge yourselves. So focus on what you can control. Once you've now outsourced some of this work to the suppliers, it's also fair that you also then look at yourself and your own company and your own business practices. So what I decided to do, I'm by no means an expert in sustainability. There are plenty of people who are far better at this than me, but I am an expert in brewery efficiency. And that's really where I decided to look at this part of sustainability. Focus on what you can control 
as a brewery, as a brewery. And I've defined it in very simple five key metrics of resourcefulness. So concept of consuming less and producing more. The first one, really, really easy. Yet I would argue to anyone, the most important brew house metric is brew house efficiency. It's really simple to do. You basically take your potential extract or the potential sugar that you've bought from your supplier, and it's versus the one that you've received in your fermenter. It tells you how well you're performing, how well you're utilizing your malt, and how well your brew house is performing. So with this, you can also see the environmental aspect. Because if you're, let's say, 75% brew house efficiency, and you should be at 90, you, that's a huge amount of malt that you're, you're basically consuming for, for, no, for no need. Now, that also has a huge profitable, so it's cash flow, because you're now purchasing more malt than you need. It sounds daft when you say it like this. But I also argue how many people here are measuring their brew house efficiency every single batch and putting in places, putting in processes to change this and make this better, because this is what it takes to basically better your efficiency. Then I've grouped four together. These are all intensity metrics, and they're all super easy to do. You've got water consumption, electricity, natural gas, and CO2. Three of these, you have a meter. So you can go to your meter once a month, take a measure, and now you know each month how much you've consumed. You've then got CO2. Most often, it's purchase. So it's your purchase goods. Easy. You have, a, you have an invoice for that. Then you contextualize that with a number, and that number is always the packaged volume. So that gives you an intensity. So if your production goes up, then your consumption goes up, but that should be relative. So therefore, you have a number that you can compare each month, year, however many times. But it's really important. And these four, if you can do this in the space of five minutes each week. So how to start? So once you start doing this, there's basically a very set three-step process. You baseline, so you measure. You then benchmark, so then you have to have this number, you have this intensity, what does that actually mean? I have to compare this with other data. Often that's done internally, but I, uh, you can also do that externally, which I'll come to after this. And the next, once you've benchmarked and you've, and you've measured, you can now start to reduce because you now know which one to focus on. So let's say my water intensity, super high compared to everything else. I know that now this is the focus of my attention because this will give me the biggest reward. So how to do it? One thing I will say, which is actually I appreciate because I used to come to these, still do, regularly. And you end up coming away thinking, oh my god, I've got so much to do. And I don't have the time to do it. I've just learned 500 things I needed to, I should be doing. Where am I going to find time to do it all? So what I did, that's why Brew Resourceful is here, it's a help service. So what I've done is I've broken this all down and I've built all the calculators for everyone. Completely free to use, always free. And you can basically, if you want to customize one or a personalized one, you can always come and ask me. So. I have a free brew house efficiency calculator. So put your COA data in, put your brew house data in. It requires gravity and uh, volume, and it'll tell you your brew house efficiency. So now that takes a huge amount away. That's a small amount of data input, and you could potentially start to reduce your uh, brew house efficiency. I also have a free utility consumption con calculator. So you can now, all those four metrics, all five, free to use. Go on my website, hit download. Five minutes later, you can start putting in data. Well, I also work for uh, this carbon accountancy firm called Zavero. So if you want the complete service, so you're looking for your entire business and all of its carbon accountancy, every single transaction you make, we can pull into one source and give you a report. 
It's called Zavero. They're a really cool set of guys. I met them only a few months ago and started working with them on part-time, sort of helping them with reductions. It's an amazing service and you should really check that out. But that will help you baseline and benchmark everything. It's a full-on service. Then we move to benchmark. So once you've now got these numbers, as I said, you've now got this brew house number, efficiency number, you've got your utility numbers. Where am I at? So I've actually now built a free benchmarking tool as well. So once you've got this data, you can submit it to me and I will give you a free report based against 50 other breweries that have already submitted their data in the UK and Europe. And it will tell you where you rank. So it will tell you I'm compared to, let's say, the brew house efficiency is around, well, each of it is around 85%, 86%. So if you're down at 75, I can basically say this is a really good start for you. This is where you should focus all your attention on because you're going to get the biggest rewards. But also it compares you to breweries of a similar size because I'm, I'm totally aware that some breweries who are producing less or are new have you know, slightly less resources available to them than the bigger guys. So this is uh, always within breweries with a similar size. Then you can start to reduce. So there's basically four really good ways of reducing your total emissions and your resourcefulness. One, I, again, I'm going to keep plugging my website, but I do implore you all go on it because I spent loads of time putting this stuff on there. So it's blogs, articles, uh, basically free tools, to, free ways of reducing your water, reducing your CO2, reducing your um, CIP solutions, reducing everything. So you can go on there, spend 10 minutes, five minutes on, the, on your train home or on your journey home, just have a flick through and start having a look. And it'll give you some really easy tips, some easy wins to start with. I also have a podcast called the Modern Brewer Podcast. So I would really appreciate if you ever want to learn a bit more. It's all about how to make uh, a better brewer rather than making great beer. So there'll be no topics on there about, you know, new hop utilizations or anything like that. It's all about how to become a better brewer. And we talk about data management, uh, hop contracting, loads of other things. There's a really good way of help. There's also one on sustainability, really good way of helping you reduce your emissions and increase your profitability. Then, of course, I have a paid-for service because I do need to eat. So I have a company, Brew Resourceful, and I can actually go in and help uh, businesses reduce their emissions. I also do this with a bit of an auditing process and then a very bespoke list of process changes. So I recently started working with Northern Monk, uh, which was excellent, and we found ways of reducing their water consumption by 74,000 hectoliters a year. So it's some really good, like, just because, and I didn't tell them anything they didn't already know. It's just because a fresh pair of eyes with a set of parameters and someone who's been there and done that before. And we can just, in the space of four hours, five hours, we just saved like 75,000 hectoliters of water. So it's a, it's a huge thing. And I really like what, I, and I'm also working full circle. So I really appreciate if anyone wants to get in contact with me, come find me and we can see what we can work out. And then of course I have Zavero. So the company I work for, for a couple of days a week, uh, they're actually bespoke in the brewery, so in the brewing industry. And again, they'll carbon, they'll carbon footprint your entire brewery using automations and software. So it takes super easy, really efficient, and you can spend your time actually on reductions as well. So that's my presentation, and this is my life in three QR codes. So if you want to have a look, they've got Brew Resourceful, the Modern Brewer Podcast, and Severo, it will all take you there. But yeah, thank you so much, Tim, and to everyone at the Brewers Journal. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.